sign up for the newsletter, www.trashstories.com. And you can follow all the artists and see all the past shows. Well, here we go. Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. <laughs> this has been a very eventful week. Some great stuff is in the works. And of course, I want to share with you that production is beginning for the True House Stories show coming to television. We will be announcing more as that comes along. But for now, I would like to talk about the great artist that we've been waiting for for a while. And thankfully, she agreed to come on. I want to all tell you this is true. True, when I call when we say monarchy of dance music and monarchy of our art artists and stuff in, in the music industry, she's been coined the first, first female vocalist of house music. Okay, so that in itself is an amazing accomplishment to have. And it's, of course, she's going to take us down memory lane and bring us up to where she is today. We like to introduce to True House Stories to the stage, Miss Kim Mazel. <laughs> good afternoon or good evening. Good morning. Uh, how are you, Mr. Lenny Fontana? Thank you. And I am comfortably air-conditioned but hot in New York, and I know it's hot in the UK. You're dying, right? It's, it's really warm here today in the UK. And I was like, I didn't want to turn the fan on because the noise. And then I didn't want to open the window in case the noise. And now I'm boiling, but I'm glowing, darling. I'm glowing. I'm glowing. Look at her. She's <laughs> naturally glowing with the halo behind her. Look at that. The halo, yes. <laughs> Kim, before I even start asking questions, we all ask every artist because everyone has been dealing with this differently and everyone has their own thought process or say day-to-day -day life that they're dealing with COVID, how you've been handling COVID because it's been a long, long haul, 18 months, right? Yeah, it's it's been a very, very long haul. And um, I just arrived back to start a tour, the beginning of it in the UK. And it was like slim and none, the chances of us doing that first um, show at the hideaway was like March the 15th, 16th. So it kept itching and edging and edging. Maybe, maybe not. And then the day before my first uh, show, March the 20th, the prime minister said, nope, everything's closed. Go back in your house and never come out. So it was like, okay, so we just thought it'd be a couple of weeks and, you know, and then you're, you know, you do your shows the next month or the next month. And then it just kept going on and on and slowly everything just start to fall like dominoes, like all of the shows, all of the concerts. And you're just like, locked inside and they were like don't go outside but i get anxiety so i had to go for walks and it was super tough i was like every day out for like the hours walk i would be out there all day just sitting in the sun or walking and just trying to figure out what to do those early months because we thought okay by the summer you know, because people start rebooking for summer 2020 and summer 2020 came and it was still no rebooking, no joy. And, you know, it was it was really tough. It was really tough. There was upsides 
and downsides. Obviously, it felt like the atmosphere got clearer and cleaner. The roads were cleaner. The birds were flying through uh, my part of town because I live not far from a motorway. And uh, like birds that never were around here start coming in, in, in our area. I was like, oh, like pheasants and all these different kind of birds. I was like, what kind of bird is that? Why is he doing here? But that was, you know, that was kind of nice. And the air got clear and, you know, all of that. You got a chance to reflect. But I was ready to go back on the road because I had reflected for my Christmas holiday. So I was ready to go to work, earn some money. Um, but yeah, it was it was super tough over here. We we had to get creative. And that creativeness is what really made you re-revolutionize yourself, basically, right? To re-reinvent yourself a whole other way. Yes. Yeah. So many people had to like do that. I remember uh, one of the ladies that uh, booked me for like um, shows. She came up with this live DJ set to be on some platform on on the website and and got sponsors. We we ended up raising money for uh, mental health and all of these different kind of things. And because she was early presented, we had. 1.8 million people viewing in the afternoon just across the UK and Europe. And it was like her platform was like a DJ would come on, play for an hour, and then uh, artists would come and sing two songs live from their living room. And live from a living room, you know. And and it went, though. We did it all day. Uh, I think they did, like, donations 50p or whatever. Was that Cassia? Cassia? That's right. That's I, remember right. Women, I remember I gave a DJ set for that. Yes, I do remember. Yeah. They had, I was the first set, I think. And at that time, it was 450,000 people logged in. It was like crazy. It, it was crazy. And people were sitting in their back gardens with their pims and whatever, you know, yeah. and and with the blow up, sort of like, a, what do you call it, swimming pool, putting your feet in it, because there was nowhere to go but in your back garden. And, you know, gave that Ibiza vibe. So that was what she was the one who did one of the first ones. Janice was on there. Uh, yes. Every, you know, everybody. And Janice did her set from her closet. She did. She had to do her set from her closet because apparently her neighbors can't take the music. I mean, can you imagine being an artist and your neighbors are just constantly like, can you turn it down? So she did her set and it was off the from her closet, all the clothes in the background, you know, she had one of those walk in closets. It was amazing. I was like, work. You got creative. <laughs> You know what I'm saying how we have to what well, we have to go through to make this up op- to operate in these in these and because you know the problem is everybody was home so you can't have to tell the neighbors go to work get away from me you know yeah it is, it is right yeah that's that's but very true you here you know I mean you look you look good you look you look like you're ready to go back out full power you know but yeah. it is what it is we just have to keep you know keep positive and keep hoping for the best. And it seems like, if I heard correctly, almost 70% of the UK is vaccinated already. Some crazy number like this. Pretty high. Well, it probably is because, um, I mean, it's easy for us to be 100%. People don't realize that the UK is only as big as Texas. So you're basically dealing with a state. You know what I mean? It's like the size of a state. And if you look at that, it's like if you keep telling one state to hurry up and get it done, then your numbers are going to be, you know, really 
really high, you know. But we um, kind of forget that because we figured we played all these different cities in the UK, and you think it's like like the United States. You forget that it's not that big. It's really not. You can actually fit it in Texas, and um, <laughs> yes. Literally, I mean, I found that out. I was like, really? And I still can't get my head around it. It's some kind of a Jedi mind trick. I'm like, really? Um, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, you know, you're focusing in one, one area. And then, you know, of course, we have a lot, we've had a lot of um, protests and rallies uh, against um, being forced to have that done and people trying to make you have uh, passports to get to concerts, you know, like a, a vaccine passport or this and that. So we've had like millions of people turn up in Trafalgar Square or in the West End in London and just say, no, you can't really rule us um, that way. And and the clubs were closed and they, they closed us twice or three times. So a lot of people came out to protest because they never they couldn't even go to a club to listen to a live band. There was no live music. And it was our industry up until maybe three weeks ago that continually just kept having to be locked down, even though the football stadium was full of 60,000 people, 90,000 people for football. Which I couldn't understand that because they had everybody home, but yet the football games were completely full. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but we know why. It's all about money. It's all about money. And then all the leaders over here are flying everywhere they want to go and telling you, you can't go anywhere. And none of them have to be vaccinated or whatever, or quarantine when they come back. And it's just, you know, it's too standard. So what's good for the goose is not allowed for the gander. It's not always good for the gander. <laughs> so, you know, you just have to live your life and be as safe as you can. Uh, let other people respect other people's wishes and how they feel about what they want to do with their bodies. I just have to look at it um, uh, that way and, um, and stay safe for myself and protect myself and take my silver collodion spray and spray my mic. Like I've been doing for 30 years. <laughs> so <laughs> silver collodion. Yeah. Silver collodion. It's like a, um, it's like a, not an alcohol, but it, it cleans like a metal steel and it doesn't really like you would clean your, like your silverware and things like that would awesome. bottle. Do you have that near you? Um, it's not far from me. If you want to see it, I want people to see what you spray before. Oh, I okay. Spray. Okay. 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 <laughs> We're going to endorse how she, how she rolls everybody. Okay. Okay. That's yeah, not that's, far. It's not far from me. I don't know where the big, big bottle is. No, it's all right. Whatever bottle you have, it's small. I use a little bottle, but um, yeah, I'll go ahead and, and and show you. And it's just so so funny that I happened to have pulled it out earlier today. But um, so this is just a little bottle you can get from the uh oh from the supermarket or whatever or from Boots yeah, or Walgreens. And it, ooh, where's my little thing? It's got a little spray nozzle there. And you can just, uh, let me see. Oh, which way do I go to spray? Uh, you can't see me now because my head. And this is. High stability, silver, multi-use, anti-microbi. Now let's, oh, wow. So I've been using this for 30 years. And um, I always keep it in a little bottle. This and a lipstick goes in my bra. 
for 30 years. I take it out, you know, because you didn't want the drag queens coming because they'd have they'd have all kind of stuff on the mic. And then you just give it a spray. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't need you now. And just carry on with the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Top tip. Kim is top tip. There you go. Kim is giving us a good antimicrobial tip. So, (laughs) (laughs) as I ask everyone on our wonderful show, and of course, we're blessed to have you here. We want to all know, how does music find the young, or should I say the young kid, the young child, Kim Mazzell? How's it oh my gosh. Well, you know, growing up in America, Saturday cartoons, all had theme songs. After School, Batman, and all those TV shows all had theme songs. And I learned every theme song and every uh, commercial. I'm stuck on Band-Aid because Band-Aid stuck on me. My baloney has a first name. <laughs> all of those songs. So I just started singing all of that kind of stuff and just anything that the neighbors were playing out and around in Gary, Indiana. And I, I grew up down the road from the uh, Jackson Fives, um, from the record label where they recorded at, Steeltown Records. So a lot of that was going on. Um, oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, yeah. Singing at school, singing just hummings. Everybody thinks that you, you know, if you're black, you went to church and you grew up uh, singing in church. I did not. I did not. I did go later and listen, but we had one of those little bitty churches that I went to where the little old ladies had the little wobbly voices. And I was like, no, no, that's not the voice. So I listened to Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight, uh, all of those people, Denise LaSalle, Cause I kind of liked it a little, I don't know. I just picked up on that other energy, you know, um, Coco Taylor, some of the blues singers and people like that. So, yeah. So that's what I was doing. So you didn't go into the church like Donna Gaines who became Donna Summer and had church, had church training. You basically had channel seven. I had channel seven, ABC. (laughs) Training and you know, so wait, 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 wait. So, function is your junction, what's your junction? Looking at words and clauses and phrases. (laughs) Oh, come on, and zoom, 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 I zoom. See, everybody, we all grew up with that. That's fucking people don't even know, they don't even know what that means. They're like, what that music is, is those TV shows for children, but they had musical connotation through the whole show. So we were stuck listening and watching these shows. So I'm going to guess now you, because also for those around the world, Indiana is right next to Illinois. Right next to Chicago. Right. So she can be in within Chicago in that city within 30 minutes. Absolutely. 30 minutes. (laughs) So Indiana doesn't sound like we have to take a flight to get to Chicago. She lived in Indiana in the sticks. Well, I don't really know if the sticks or not. Yeah, it was the sticks. People just call me country when I come to Chicago. They just be country like, oh, girl. She's yeah, a country yeah. girl. Uh, leave me alone. So anyway, being a country girl, she can leave the, the hay and be <laughs> in the car and in the city 
right in the middle with Frankie and Ron Hardy and all of them were doing their thing in the set. Yeah, I can leave Green Acres. Dun, 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 dun. There goes another song. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, so, so these shows, they all had those big, big opening songs. So you have a kind of so you were actually mimicking the songs. Oh, and they stick in your head all week long, these songs, all right? Week, all of them. Even to now, we're still remembering those songs. So radio, were you listening to radio too at that time? Oh my gosh, I was listening to WLS radio and I listened to our local radio, the Ragman. So he was in Gary, Indiana. He played like everything, blues, the Jacksons, all Motown, uh, uh, Millie Jackson, Richard Pryor live albums. I mean, he played everything. <laughs> well, you saw my face, everybody. Richard Pryor live album is so bad. I mean, it's so dirty. dirty. <laughs> it so, so, you know. Dirty. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, I, you know, it was just like, you know, sometimes he play a little snippet of that. And then listening to WLS, you had all the rock and roll. So at the same time, you grow up, like, listening to Led Zeppelin. Uh, you grow up listening to Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. You grow up listening to... Um, Helen Reddy, Angie Baby. You grew up listening to Heart, uh, that group Heart. He's a magic man, mama. You know, all of these different kind of songs. You grew up with Dolly Parton, uh, Willie Nelson, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, the Isley Brothers, the Temptations, Jack, everybody, an amalgamation of things that, you know, I listened to. The five blind boys from, from Mississippi, <laughs> they were on like the uh, Jubilee Showcase which was the Sunday gospel show before Bobby Jones. So all of that kind of stuff you listen to on a Sunday because Miss Rose next door would turn on Julie Showcase in the morning and open her doors and windows and it just blessed the block and you'd be like listening to, to all of that and the caravans and uh, just everything. So in the picture of your neighborhood, I'm going to guess in a suburban style neighborhood and houses and stuff, not apartment buildings, right? Yeah, houses. Yeah, houses, backyards, um, mama girls in the backyard and green tomatoes and okra in the backyard growing. Mr. Johnson next door growing weed. (laughs) Don't you go near that girl. No, my mama used to pull it because it was like in, um, like messing up her tomatoes. She's like, I don't know what all these weeds are. She pulled it and throw it away. And uh, <laughs> that's some serious stock right there. Don't they? Yeah, well, we knows. didn't know. We this didn't. is messing up my, my patch. <laughs> Later on, we find out. We find out that that was like, um, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You must have been like, that's what that was? That's what happened, right? You like, something that, like that, yeah. Oh, mama, you can throw that stuff away. And you're just what? a little kid, you know, swimming in the inflatable swimming pool in the back, the old school barbecue um, made from that big old can, a drum, or whatever it was made from, family reunions in the backyard. Because we all have big backyards, you know. That's right. Because yeah. you have a lot of space in Indiana. It's not like New York or Chicago. Yeah. Everybody's or on London. London, everybody's on top of each other. So, you know, it's just like, no, I grew up country, I guess. <laughs> Real country. 
to whatever. All right. Well, that's all. No, listen, I, I totally get it. I mean, those that live outside the city understand that feeling of having that, you know, life. We could ride your bike in the street, not worry. Kids are out all day and night. It's just different life. Well, until that street light came on, you had to be in That's like a true. quarter of a second before that street light came on. Get your butt home or you're, you're done. Or you knew something else was going to happen. But yeah, you play kickball, you play uh, softball, right? Hide and go see, climb trees, uh, baseball in the middle of the street. And when, you know, when the car would come, which was rare that a car turned down our street, you just move your things out the way and get back and finish playing. You know, as a kid, it was just. And when, you know, the Jacksons would come to rehearse, and you hear that music cranking up. Where were they rehearsing, actually? How far from Steel's you? Town, two doors down. From oh, you were on the same block on Steel, Steel Town? Steel Town Records, two doors so you down. You saw Joe? You saw their dad, Joe, and everything? Well, I saw whoever it was. I was so little. Uh, you know, I remember... You, I had to like go back to remember who some of the early people were because even after the Jacksons left, it stayed uh, um, a record uh, label rehearsal studio. The Ripples and the Waves were there next, and then another group, you know. And it was always live music and and rehearsals going on there. So we played baseball in the middle of the street to live music, um, and didn't pay it no mind. It's like it's just like somebody. It's like Basically having a block part and a band playing is just like, okay, let's do what we do. You know, you know, and then, you know, you start doing a little dance, get your hula hoop on. It was like, you know, all it was just amazing. You Were know? you able to all of you go and look through the window and see all, them? Of, us. all of us? So yeah. was that a moment for you? See, there's always moments that are those what I call the gleam second. Like you go, jing, that says, oh, wow, I love to do this. Like a dream. Like you didn't even realize what you're watching, but yeah. somehow it leads you to this path. Is that possible? I'm so sure that it did because um, it was just really, really amazing hearing the live music coming out of there and watching, you know, Michael, this little boy, and then the, the, the like the, the talent shows and then winning the talent shows and 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 hearing them on the local radio and hearing about uh, them going to play in Chicago at some theater where they were only little kids were like what and I mean he just they were so precise precision their steps the music the songs I remember when Big Boy came out and uh, Michael the Love I still have my copy of of big boy and michael the lover and i remember when those songs came out i i remember um as a little kid in my mind what i thought was the little boy went from down from there into the tv where i'm stuck on band-aid is so that was my thought that's what i wanted to understand i can do that that's that was the that did it. I'll never forget he was on Ed Sullivan's show or something like that early. Because season. you actually saw him on the street and listen, let's bring on the Jackson Five, you know, and, and, and Ed Sullivan. And get to understand everybody. Everybody watched Ed Sullivan. Everybody. Everybody. I don't care who you are, you watched Ed Sullivan. Tonight we're going to have a really big shoe. <laughs> <laughs> There was only Ed Sullivan and a couple other crappy shows, but that's what you watched. Yeah, was, you watched. It was the big groups of the time. Elvis Presley was on there. It was, 
I mean, the Beatles, Jackson Wings, the Supremes, the Doors. It could be whoever Lewis. <laughs> or like she said, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young singing Four Shot Dead in Ohio. Here we go. You know, it's oh like, my God. it's like when she's mentioning these groups, I can envision seeing the Ed Sullivan show when she says it, but good on you, lady. Good on you. So yeah. that's, that's what I want to understand. So yeah. that. See, everybody has that moment where they see it the can music, be done. The dream muse. It's like, I can do this. Okay, take us now. So now that this is happening, you're seeing the little TV, the same person. You're growing up. What are you doing to try to find your way to, to, to whatever you think this is, this business or music thing is? I'm just learning songs, learning how to be in a band, finding Bands in the choir at school, uh, taking lessons to play the flute, um, all kind of different, you know, ways reading. I was like geeky about records. I read the A side, the B side, who wrote it, what year was released as opposed to the year was written. Uh, and then you have all of these voices out of Chicago. You had like Mavis Staples and the Staples Singers. You had the Emotions. You had Kitty Haywood and the Haywood Singers. And you had Denise Williams, who was from Gary, Indiana as well. And Earth, yes. Wind & Fire, who yes. were just like South Side of Chicago. You had Minnie Ripperton, who was with Rotary Connection in Chicago. And I just started, you know, following these footsteps. And I remember... Um, I got a scholarship to go to um, Lincoln University in uh, Missouri, somewhere in Missouri. I got a scholarship to go to study music. And, um, yeah, to, uh, and I just picked up the flute. On the flute? Was it on because of the flute you got the scholarship or singing? I got the scholarship because of politics. I was seeing that they, I was in the principal's office and I heard that they were doing scholarships. And I found out about it. And I had been in the choir and in the theater in um, at my high school. But one of the things, too, was that you had to play instrument as well to go. So Ooh. I said... I play the flute. <laughs> no and worries. And um, I, you know, I just went and picked it up and, and I don't know, I learned the fingering quite quick and kind of, bl I was enthusiastic. So they took me on board and they gave me the scholarship and I went out there and played in the band and, and, and just start learning music theory, how to read music, how to compose music, um, that kind of thing. Because I'm just hungry. How? What? What is it? How do you? How do you do this thing? And um, one of the other things that I was really, really um, intent to learn was the industry, because all the people that I love, by some reason, got ripped off badly from signing things that they didn't know what they had signed. So eventually, um, I was only there for about a year, and I fell in love with somebody, had my daughter, went back home. And to to Indiana and took all my credits because I made top grades. And then I uh, ended up going to school in Chicago. I went to an all women's Catholic college in Chicago, took my daughter with me. And that's where I studied, started studying music theory, found out about Columbia College, which was doing uh, scholarships on entertainment media management, where you had to learn entertainment law and you had to learn how to promote concerts. Oh, that's good. Okay. So you had to do all of that. You had to learn how to put together a recording session. And then they had internships on the boards everywhere. 
I would find out and go to intern everywhere. I interned at DJ International Records. That's where I met Rocky Jones. Oh, okay. I interned at Jam Productions. That's where I met Pete. Um, I can't remember his last name. I interned at the Park West. I interned everywhere. I just went and I interned with... Um, Oh gosh, you, uh, Linda Mint. She was like one of the top female attorneys in in uh, Chicago, and I was like 22 years old. But I was just like, I was just like going for it. Uh, a, a screaming Rachel. I interned for Screaming Rachel at her club in Chicago. Uh, when I, yeah, it was uh, it. And she's there was no ceiling. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And it was just cats walking everywhere it was a hot mess but anyway this is like the <laughs> mid age i i interned for steve doll oh wow that's right yeah i which was basically taking crap from whatever but listening learning keeping your mouth shut your eyes open pouring tea being available and all of those people saw that i was trying to you know, kind of find my way. And I never said I wanted to sing yet. I was just, spun. I was like a sponge just because I thought, well, I could maybe promote concerts or manage people. You know, I didn't really know, you know, because it looked intense to be like the artist all out there by yourself. It looked scary. You know, it was like, yeah, that's a big thing. If you, you know, never done, if you never done stage work and acting and all, it's a big, it's a big transition. Yeah, so it just like the professional side of it. When I started looking, like I, you know, when I was like working at um, the Park West, and like I remember when Bonnie Raitt turned up to do her sound check, and it was a certain stature that people had and the confidence, and I was like, I don't know if I got all of that, but I, I think I can, and I would watch them, you know, arrive, and I'd watch the audience, and I, and and I'd see them like sort of like. On their own, one thing I and you know you see different things later on, but like in hindsight, I remembered all of them were on their own in the dressing room all the time, waiting for somebody to bring something to them, you know, like some food or this and that. And I, and I thought, oh, you got to depend on a lot of people. You've got to trust a lot of people to deliver for you. What if they don't? You know, what if what? And we already know the stories of so many people that they didn't, most of the industry, you know, people dependent on people that, you know, didn't really live up to what you thought they were going to do. And, Lord, we know that list is so damn long. <laughs> that list is longer than the good list. That's the called the Northern <laughs> Bad List. Oh, you know, some water. One second, I wanna, I wanna just say a couple of things and and put and give some endorsement to have some water because it's pretty hot out there in the UK. Thank you. Yo, Friday, Friday hooky party. Call work and tell them you ain't going because Curly is celebrating her birthday and we're doing it downtown and Lower East Side. Don't miss the rest of this wonderful interview. Search for part two on the internet and listen to the rest of the story.